Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello there. Welcome to session 98 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing wonderfully well. I can't believe we're at 98 sessions. We are two sessions away from episode 100. You know, when I first started STC, I was just happy to do session one. If you go back and listen to the very first episode, you will notice that how nervous I was and how awkward I sounded. And I still probably sound a little bit nervous and awkward, but I think it's gotten much better. But uh, session 100, I have something really special lined up for you guys that I I think is going to help a lot of folks. But we're at session 98 today, and we're talking about a topic that I know that is going to resonate for many of you, because the reality is many of us have this dream in our lives, which is to write a book. And I've been looking for a clinician that is in private practice that wrote a book. And because I wanted to talk to them about both the what motivated them to write a book, as well as some of the emotional and the mental barriers of writing a book. And then some of the more practical things, right? Like, how do you structure the book? And how did you schedule out things? And I found a clinician who is also in the Selling the Couch community, which you can find at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. My guest today is Jennifer Blau. Jennifer is a counselor in Ann Arbor, Michigan in private practice, and her passion is working with compassion fatigue in the animal welfare community. And Jennifer recently published a workbook for the animal welfare community for those who struggle with compassion fatigue. And the book is called To Save a Starfish, a compassion fatigue workbook for the animal welfare warrior. And Jennifer had always had this dream to write a book. In fact, friends and family and clients always said, Jennifer, you have a book within you. But uh, Jennifer struggled with whether she was an expert, whether she even had the, the capacity to be able to write something like this. And today's just a really just wonderful conversation on both the emotional aspects of taking a big risk like writing a book to the very practical things in terms of structure and brainstorming and all of those things and organizing your thoughts. So here is my conversation with Jennifer Blau from deepwatermichigan.com. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Thank you, Melvin. I am absolutely honored to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that you know you accepted the invite. 
I feel like this topic is, well, really so many of the world wants to write a book, you know, and a lot of times it stays a dream and it doesn't, you know, actually materialize, but you did something very bold. And so we're looking forward to hearing about you and the journey of writing this book. Great. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I wanted to just start out, but like what in the world motivated you to write a book? <laughs> Good question. To be honest, you know, there was a lot of people, my husband, my friends that knew I had a book in me before I did. You know, I've been hearing for years that I should write a book, I should write a book. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then last summer, I decided to do it. You know, I have a background in animal welfare. I was a shelter worker, an animal control officer, and very heavily involved in animal rescue. And when I got my degree in psychology, I just became very passionate about trying to help back or trying to give back and help others in that community. And as a therapist, I found that I was really limited, you know, by location. And so I wanted something that could, you know, reach a larger audience, could reach people worldwide. That's amazing. You said earlier that your family and your friends saw something different, like they knew you had a book in you. What do you think they saw in you? I think they definitely saw a story. People that know me the best know that I've been through a bit of trauma. And I think they saw that I had a story in me that could help others. Yeah, it's amazing how our loved ones often pick up like our gifts, you know? Yes, definitely. One of the things that we were talking about before we get started was I wanted to spend time talking about kind of the practical aspects of writing this book, but I feel like the emotional aspects are equally important. And my question was, how did you work through that that self-doubt and that, you know, I'm not an expert. Who's going to read this book? I'm not, you know, someone that should be writing a book. How did you work through some of those fears? That's a great question. And honestly, it's something I struggle with to this day. I had a very love-hate relationship with this book when I was writing it. I go for weeks feeling really confident and, you know, okay, I, you know, I am an expert. I've been through this. I know what I'm talking about. And then I just have to set it aside because that negative self-talk would creep up on me. Or, you know, I'd go through that imposter syndrome, you know, like, who are you? You know, what gives you the right to write a book? What gives you the right to think that you're an expert on that? And then there's also a quite a bit of self-disclosure in this book. And I think that's really difficult when you're trained as a therapist, you know. You are basically taught that a good therapist knows, you know, when to shut up and listen. And when you're an introvert, on top of that, you know, I'm a much better listener than I am you know, at communicating and talking about myself. And then I also had to come to terms with some of my own past traumas that I experienced as an animal welfare. And and so that really writing about it really kind of forced me to work through some of those things that I had kind of been, I guess, avoiding. You know, like talking to other folks that have written books, like I don't think your experience is at all unique, right? Like nothing like writing a book, right, to bring up all of our stuff, Oh, exactly. You know, they say that private practice is a way to bring up all your stuff. Well, if you want to take it a step further, (laughs) write a book. (laughs) You know, a lot of people, when they get that fear and that doubt, and they have those lulls, right, where they don't feel as confident, they stop, right? But what made Mm. you keep going? Well, for one thing, I decided to tell a couple people. I told my husband, my best friends, and my sister And I said, you know what, you guys need to hold me accountable because there are going to be many times when I want to stop this 
And so I need you to call me out when I decide to do that. When I start beating myself up, I need you to, you know, hold me accountable. And they did. That's amazing. It felt like, I mean, it's just a subtle thing, but such a powerful thing, which is when you take on any sort of big project, it's really good to have some kind of accountability, whether it's family or friends or a mastermind group or something like that. Because we're not always the best judges, I think, of, you know, especially when we're in the throes of things, we're not always the best judges of things like our competence and things like that. Absolutely. You know, my best friend would say, Jen, you need to write this book. People need this book. And she really kind of kicked my butt multiple times throughout this process. So you had accountability, you had Jen kicking your butt. (laughs) What other things did you do? Like, did you, I don't know, this is like really random stuff, but like, Sometimes I'll keep post-it notes of like quotes or successes that I've had, you know, at places where I can see it. Like, did you do any things like that that kind of kept you going through those harder days? Not necessarily anything like that. I think what kept me going through those harder days was there was a certain amount of, you know, I mentioned the having to work through some of my stuff, right? And there was also a fair amount of healing throughout this writing process, It was almost a type of self-therapy in a way. And so that was one of the things that actually kept me going. How long did it take you to write the book? It was actually about a year Mm -hmm. to actually write the book. And then probably maybe three or four months on top of that to have it beta tested, to send it to the editor, to have it designed. And I had an index created. So I'd say all in all, almost a year and a half from start to finish. I think that's like a very realistic time period because I think sometimes, you know, I know that I've fallen into this. It's like, oh, I just, I've got a book in me or I've got something in me and I underestimate the amount of time that something like that takes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you're on chapter one and you're just like, I want this done now, you know, because writing for me is very, very painful, actually. But, you know, the process I don't enjoy, but the finished product, I absolutely love painful because just of the nature of what you're writing or just like trying to find the right word or what? I think because I'm a perfectionist and you know what they say is you know don't edit while you write just write then you can go back and edit however I really really struggle with that I edit as I go and I think that holds me up or it did hold me up it's not like uh, I know what you're talking about or anything like that (laughs) (laughs) you know I love just the concept of like rituals, right? So this took almost a year and a half to write. So what was like a daily or like a weekly ritual that you did around writing? So examples would be like, did you write at a certain place on certain days? Or, you know, did you have like a a routine? Like, would you have your favorite tea with you while you wrote? Things like that. Honestly, I didn't. I had a very, what I call bipolar approach to writing. You know, I would go for weeks just cranking out material. It just, you know, it was just flowing out of me. And then there were times when I couldn't sleep and I'd grab my laptop, I'd go into the bathroom in the middle of the night and sit on the floor and just, you know, write for hours. And then there were those long dry spells where I couldn't write a single sentence. And I thought, well, that's it. You know, the wells run dry and I'm done. And then, you know, a week later, boom, it would just, it would hit me and I'd just, you know, start banging out words. Um, have you seen that TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert? It was for a few years ago. She was talking about like the creative genius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, I don't know, like as you were talking about that, that TED talk, like it reminded me of that TED talk because she talks about that, like how laborious writing is and mm. the creative spark, you know, it's not as, as like mystical or it's not as like, it doesn't come when necessarily when we want it to. 
right? But sometimes we have to wait for it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm a songwriter as well. So I've written music, oh gosh, for nearly three decades now. And it's the same thing. You know, people say, oh, well, have you written lately? Like, no, it just, it's not, there's nothing in me right now. And it just, any kind of writing, it just, I don't know, it just, it's either in me or it's not. I can't, I'm not the type that can sit down and just write. So as you were writing, did you keep any sort of like, did you do an outline or plan it out? Like, you know, use any sort of like software or anything to like plan things out? Or was it kind of, I know I want to talk on this topic and just kind of came out. Like, how did you go about organizing everything? Well, I had a basic outline and an idea of what I wanted to cover in the book as far as topics. But from there, really, I was just all over the place. Like I said, I have a very scattered approach to writing, which I really wouldn't recommend, (laughs) but it's what worked for me. I didn't really write in any particular order. It was just, you know, kind of what inspired me at the time. So I'd write, you know, things that would go into chapter eight, and then I'd write things that would go into chapter two, and then I'd write the intro. And like I said, the whole thing took about a year to write. And then when I was finally finished, and the book was up to my standards, I sent it out to a handful of beta testers. And these were people that agreed to read the book and provide some feedback. And these were people in the animal welfare community. I wanted the book to not be at a clinical level. You know, I believe it's going to be helpful for therapists that have these types of clients, but I didn't want it to be written at the PhD level. I wanted it to be written for shelter workers and vet techs and, you know, people that necessarily don't have doctorate degrees. And once they provided that feedback, I, you know, took what I agreed with and felt would enhance the book and I made a few tweaks here and there. And then, like I mentioned before, went and had the book professionally edited and designed. And then, you know, you go back and forth with that. And so it's a constant work in progress. So it sounds like you wrote up a draft and then had folks read it. Did you find that helpful? Or do you think like interviewing or having conversations with some of the folks that work in the animal welfare community and then writing the book? Do you think that would have been, I don't know if that quite makes sense, but... Um, Well, I actually did interview quite a few people to have as quotes. So there's a quote that starts off each chapter. And then I also have several stories and experiences in there. So that was a different set of people. Like, for example, I have a section in there that talks about yoga and how yoga can help, you know, one center themselves and fight compassion fatigue. And so I'd sent out a request for people in this field that have used yoga to help them manage compassion fatigue. And so I get some responses, I do an interview, and then weave that into the story. Yeah, that's such a a neat way of doing things. Yeah. This is like a small tangent, but you know, you tend to like get these ideas and had a rough, you know, outline. But I use this program called XMind, which is Mm. like a mind mapping software. So basically, it's great for writing blog posts, books, anything, podcast episodes. But it's basically, it's a way that you can visually tell what the content's going to be. And then XMind, you can actually like put a topic and then you can move the blocks around and stuff like that. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. Yeah. I I, like to do things the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way until Uh, like I was like, oh, this mind mapping stuff is pretty interesting. Like I'm (laughs) such a visual person. Yeah, yeah. So tell me again, did you go the digital publishing route or did you do more of like a formal like hardcover? I did both actually. So I decided to self-publish. 
I did a lot of research, and what I found is that book publishing doesn't appear to be the same as it used to be. You know, unless you have a huge author platform, most publishers aren't even going to consider you. It was also my understanding that even if you do get a publishing deal, it's really still up to you to market the book. So I said to myself, well, if I'm going to have to do all this work, then I want to have the creative control. I want to be able to sell my own books at workshops and events. And so I decided to go with uh, CreateSpace. Now, like I said, I did hire a professional indexer. I had the book professionally designed and edited. And I decided to create both a print version and a Kindle version. What was that website? The the space? Oh, so it's CreateSpace. I believe they're owned by Amazon. Okay, and it's a company for self-publishing? Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of do-it-yourself features on CreateSpace. So if you want to try to lay out the book yourself or if, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you want to decide to edit the book yourself, you know, you can do that. You can design the cover yourself. But again, I wanted this to look as professional as possible. And so I had those services done. And all in all, I ended up spending probably almost $2,000 just to make this book as professional as possible. You can get away with spending less. I also had the book converted to Kindle, which was a little bit of an additional cost. But, you know, you can go strictly the digital route. You don't have to do a print version either. And that could save you a little bit of money as well. Yeah, I think what you did is really smart because, you know, what I'm finding is that folks consume content in different ways, right? So some people may want a hard copy of the book because they like that that feel of, you know, turning the pages other folks like to pull it up on their Kindle or on, you know, on a smartphone. I think it's really smart that you went and you published it in different sort of formats and mediums. Definitely. And also my book is actually a bit of a workbook. And so I wanted a print version so people could have that space to do some journaling, to basically have it with them whenever they wanted to be able to do some journaling and some self-reflection. Yeah, absolutely. You said you hired an editor and you had like someone that designed the cover. Where did you find those folks? Okay, so the cover design and the editor and the layout, those were all CreateSpace services that you could purchase. Now, what I did for the cover was I actually picked the image myself. I had a very specific look that I had in mind. And so I gave them the image and said, you know, here, work around this. And then as far as the indexer, I did a Google search for professional indexers, which, you know, I had no idea, but these people actually exist. I don't even know what this is. What's an indexer? An indexer is someone that actually does the index of your book. Really? Yeah. You know, I thought, well, I can do the index of this book. And then I started out and I went, okay, no, 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 no. This needs to be, you know, there are professionals that do this and it it looks, you know, really, really professional and really, really sharp and nothing I could have pulled off. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, You brought up a really good point, which is, I think, and this is like just a business lesson I've learned is that sometimes in order to get the reward, you have to invest time or money initially. Yes, most definitely. Especially if you want to like stand out from the crowd. It doesn't mean like go crazy with income or anything like that. And it means being wise with it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something that I'm like slowly learning because I think a lot of times I've always had like this sort of mindset, how do I do it like for free or very minimal? Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not always the best route. Yeah, I think, you know, self-published books are getting a little bit of criticism because, you know, they say anyone can do it. And yeah, anyone can go into CreateSpace and, you know, throw up a book. 
your readers are going to know. Your readers are going to know if you whip something out and threw it up there. And they're also going to know if you really took the time to do it right. And I'm hoping that I produced a product that reflects that, you know. What's something that's happened that during this whole process of writing a book that you didn't anticipate or you didn't plan for? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Here comes my self-doubt. People actually showed interest. I'm astonished every time someone buys a book. You know, one nice thing about selling your book through Create Space in on Amazon is you get reports. You know, you can go in there and find out if someone has bought your book that day. I am absolutely amazed whenever this happens. You know, it's like, this is crazy. Someone actually bought my book. I remember the first like online sale I'd ever made. I had those exact same thoughts. I yeah. Like, I mean, I know like I put time into it and I know it's good, but right. to think someone else thinks that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's validating. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think the biggest lesson that you have learned for yourself like during this whole process has been? You know, in the book, I talk a lot about self-care. What we know is that, you know, I'm telling my readers as well as my therapy clients that self-care is probably the most important thing you can do to manage compassion fatigue and prevent burnout. And I'm sitting here writing about this and, you know, I'm gaining weight. I'm up at all, all hours of the night writing this book. And I thought, my God, Jen, you need to start practicing what you're preaching. You really need to take breaks from this book and start taking care of you. And that's something that I really, really struggle with, but I'm trying to incorporate into my day-to-day life, you know, whether it's through exercise and diet or, you know, just getting together with my girlfriends and just acting goofy, you know, taking off the therapist hat and the author hat for a while and just, just being Jen. I love the way you say that because, I mean, it's truthfully, this is something I struggle with as well. And I know that, yeah, you know, just seeing conversations and just, you know, even like feeling the pulse of like our, you know, Facebook community, I can tell there is like a lot of compassion fatigue. And I think I'm like going to butcher the way that this was said, but like an old supervisor used to tell me that, you know, our profession is very unique in that, like, we are the toolboxes, right? It's not like we have a scalpel and we do Mm, surgery mm -hmm. or something like that, right? And that's why self-care is so important in any sort of these like compassion-based fields. Because if like we can't serve our clients well, if we are not, you know, taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. And I think in addition to being very compassionate people, we tend to be, you know, especially those of us in private practice, we are very high achieving, very self-critical. And I think there's well, you know, if I take time for self-care, then I'm taking time away from my business or I'm taking time away from writing the book, you know, and there's a certain amount of guilt that goes with that, but you'll burn out. And then what good are you? Right. There's a really good chapter, Mary Piper, Letters to a Young Therapist. There's a really good chapter and a couple of paragraphs in there about the way she writes about like how many in our field like burn out every year because, you know, because I think many of us are very high achievers, perfectionists and and we believe we can take on more than we can. And yeah, I think that, I mean, it's a good reminder. Definitely. Jen, where can folks learn more about you and about the good work that you're doing in the world? Sure. You can visit my website at www.deepwatermichigan.com. Uh, you could also send me an email at jennifer at deepwatermichigan.com. Awesome. And tell us the name of the book and I'll be sure to link to it here on Amazon for you. Oh, sure. So the name of the book is To Save a Starfish, 
a compassion fatigue workbook for the animal welfare warrior, and it is available on Amazon. Awesome. Jen, thank you again for doing this. And we connected because you had the courage to share that you wrote this book. And uh, I'm so grateful for that courage. Thank you, Melvin. I really appreciate you having me on. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer. Man, I was sitting there writing notes as Jennifer was talking and I was like, oh, what do you do about this? Or what did you think about that? For me, I've always wanted to write a book. I still think it's a few years away. But if you're at that point where you know that you have a book within you, but you've been putting it off, I hope that today's conversation motivates you to take that next step. Because the reality is all of us have expertise in something and that expertise needs to be shared with the larger world. Jennifer mentioned a number of resources and you can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 98. Again, the title of Jennifer's book is called To Save a Starfish, a Compassion Fatigue Workbook for the Animal Welfare Warrior. You can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on the show notes page. If you know anyone that would benefit from this, or if you just want to purchase a copy and support a colleague please check out the book and please purchase a copy just so that we can support one one another in our own dreams. Have a wonderful week. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in. We've got an awesome episode coming up next week on starting groups for your private practice. I've got a colleague who has launched two successful groups who is coming on and talking about all talking about her her journey and what she has learned along the way. So be sure to tune in and I will see you next time, okay? Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.